0: Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this podcast possible. They are makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh so incredible custom stable scleral lens. In case you're wondering, I'm on the East Coast and my name is Dr. James Diem. I'm joined by my talented co-host who's repping the West Coast, Dr. Roya Habibi. Roya, what is up?
1: I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. What is up? I feel like you asked me the same question and I run out of things to say.
0: Nothing's up. such a boring question. Well, listen, I have something to tell you. Tell me. And, you know, it's a little bit of a braggy whatever, but it's something I really enjoyed doing. And uh, I just did it yesterday. So I just completed the uh, Iron Man in Wisconsin. What? And it was awesome. I survived.
1: What was your time? <laughs> this or is, is it my a fifth
0: one that I've done. And it was great. Uh, weather was perfect. The day went as planned. I saw lots of cows on the bike. There were some cheese heads. What um, does a
1: cheese head mean?
0: You know, the people with like the big block of uh, styrofoam cheese on their head. It's not a, it's not a triathlon term. It's a <laughs> Wisconsin okay. term. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Like, the Green like Bay actually Packers, people.
1: It. They like eat cornbread and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, Wisconsin is uh, somewhat of a triathlon mecca for Midwest individuals. So, really? you know, yeah, why it's a very well-known uh, Ironman. There are only so many Ironman races throughout the country, and um, this is a very well-known one.
1: Is it because it it's flat be or something? Or yeah,
0: well, actually, no. It's it's a uh, relatively hilly. It's about four thousand uh feet of climbing on the bike throughout the the entire race. So it's uh comparatively it's one of the more hilly races, but it is uh I don't know. It's it, I guess the geography allows it to be accessible from a lot of you know sort of as I said Midwestern type places. So I see. Yeah. So anyway, that was good. That's what's up here. Congrats. Yeah, thanks.
1: What's up with me? What are we
0: talking about today?
1: Um we are talking about kind of some colorful topics, I suppose. Right. Um, one colorful thing I'd like to talk about is kind of an interesting case. We haven't done that in a minute. So no. I thought it might be good to talk about a case that I've been dealing with. Cheer. So it just started kind of off off the cuff, right? All like a minute, right? Not really a minute. Like I have one patient before my lunch. And what my front desk staff comes to ask me if I could add on a patient for a contact lens fitting. And I'm like, well, that seems like a bit of a stretch to add on. And then she has a post-it and it says, she's like, I can't really say this word that well. It's for a scleral fit. And I was like, oh God, adding (laughs) that on (laughs) seems like a big deal. New patient, a 29-year-old male, comes in asking for a fitting. And I'm like, well, whatever, I can do it. I can make this work. So he comes in and I think like, yeah, I could just... I mean, I can fit a, a lens in no time. Minutes. No time, exactly. So Done. I think, okay, fine. Especially if he clearly knows what it is, so he probably is wearing them. So no big deal. Right. No, not the case. I this patient, twenty nine year old, super jolly, like literally the nicest kid ever. But he has Tourette slash Jolly What does that mean? So is that jolly. a nice
0: way of saying he's overweight?
1: No, oh, I would call you Jolly, and you're not overweight. Oh, am I overweight? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is,
0: what, is no. it, jolly's just a nice person.
1: Jolly is like, overweight means like round. That's a nice way to say overweight. But like
0: jolly old elf is what I think jolly of when you say is jolly. a friendly like Santa term. Claus. Do you What's need that?
1: a definition of jolly? <laughs> yeah, jolly is well, like nice. uh, Clearly. Yeah.
0: All right, so it wasn't overweight. Anyway, just happy. definitely not nice overweight.
1: Guy. Just normal slim fit. Okay. So anyway, 29-year-old – But so here's this weird. So I hear 29-year-old wants scleral fit, and I'm like, fine, add him on. But then I go to Pillow's chart, and he says Medicare, and I'm like, weird. And mm. then I realize he's got Tourette's, and he has keratoconus. So uh, it was oh. just such a confusing thing to happen really fast because I couldn't do anything to stop it, <laughs> right? By then, it's just like chain of reaction or chain of events has happened. So I get him back into the room, and I'm like, so why – why do you want a scleral lens fitting? And he's like, "Well, my cornea doctor says that I've been he like I need a transplant, but I don't. I'm not ready for one yet. I can't see well in my right eye. So essentially, he sees count fingers in one eye, 2200 in the other eye. He's wearing a contact in his other eye, and he's telling me that because of his Tourette's and OCD, his tick, which isn't really t- cussing or jabbing or anything, is boring. pushing his eyeball in." Okay, so he shows me what he does. Poor guy sticks his finger through his lid into his eyeball like he's trying to mush his eyeball.
0: That's his tick.
1: That's his. T- that's his like compulsion, basically. He's, uh-huh. he's kind of he definitely has Tourette's, which did I did you say
0: don't do that.
1: Well, I mean he kind of knows, <laughs> like cause you see yeah. recording, especially sees essentially. I mean at his level, and he's 29. He's never worn a scleral lens before. He's been blinded by this eye poking thing. Wow. But I was like, are your eyes itchy? Is that, why do you, why, what's the motivation to want to do this? Right. And he's like, I don't know. I kind of think it's just because I can't see that well so I feel like it's like I'm rubbing it to see better. So, anyways, it was super weird and fascinating. Then, so he's talking to me super straight until at the very end, as I'm starting to finally break down what we're about to do, and he starts his, like, his tick word is his the C word, slash flicking me off. So I just, like, get totally thrown off by the fact that he does have some true ticks. And anyways, long story short, fit him in a scleral lens. Thanks, Valley. Like the woman C word? like Yeah, yeah. Whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, all right, so I'm going to put the contact lens on, and he's like, D- but, but just saying it, and I was like, "Whoa, no whoa. way!" Trying to hold this together, buddy, but you are really throwing me off my like <laughs> straight face game, right? So, anyways, he uh, he's super excited, super. He sees twenty forty in the eye that he is. He this guy, I've never seen a cornea like this, but he essentially has almost like what high drops would be or striae, but they're scars circularly in the middle of his cornea from pushing in.
0: So do you do you even call it keratoconus at that point or is it like a traumatic corneal disease like is it a corneal scarring secondary to trauma? I actually
1: it- because keratoconus is so much well is the most tolerated fitting code, you know. Right. I called it keratoconus and I feel like the topography I does agree with that in a sense right. if you want it to be really clinical or really, you know, you know, how you would do it at school, perhaps, it would be different. But I call it a keratoconus, even though it's definitely... Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, keratoconus is potentially an eye-rubbing disease. So is that dramatic?
0: Who knows what Who came knows? first? Maybe he did have keratoconus yeah. and the rubbing happened because, like you said, he couldn't see well.
1: Exactly. Who knows? You just don't know. Super odd. That's very interesting. Anyway, so hopefully fitting the lenses aside from the fact that it gives him phenomenal vision. He sees, like I said, 20-20 in one eye, 20-40 in the other. He hopefully it'll condition him to stop pushing in his eye because it's not gonna yeah. feel good to push on his. It doesn't feel good to push on your eye either way, but hopefully right. pushing on it. I fit him in a sixteen eight, which I usually actually go smaller diameter nowadays, but hopefully that'll just condition him to not plus not put any pressure on his cornea. So
0: so the idea was to just have a larger lens. You were thinking a little maybe bit maybe larger. A little
1: larger. Well, plus his his cornea that he really pushes on. He I needed a super steep lens to be able to even get over. His really, cornea. yeah.
0: What I mean, kind of vision did he have? I don't remember. Count
1: fingers. refraction is like at -12 with a huge amount of cell, like 8 diopters of cell with 2200 corrected. So 2200 corrected. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's bad. Poor guy. Poor guy, I know. Was he um working or nope. capable Currently to work? No,
1: not working. And I think because of his diagnosis that's why he's on the Medicare, you know, as sure. a 29 yeah. year old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, he he deserves to work. He's got a good enough personality even with his diagnosis that it's jolly he's so so jolly he's so nice I was laughing the whole time like I had a great time with him but minus all of his side effects yeah (laughs) commentary it's an interesting thing
0: Tourette's syndrome because I think it's it's very hard you know you wouldn't laugh at somebody with, um, and you know, I'm, and I'm not saying that you're doing the wrong thing or I'm doing the wrong thing, but I think it's just an interesting conversation. Like when, when somebody has cancer, right? If they have a tumor on their face, you wouldn't like laugh at it, right? right. But this is their disease or right? depression, this is, honestly.
1: Like you don't laugh at that? any other depression or schizophrenia. Right. You don't laugh at, laugh at that.
0: You don't laugh at those things, right? But it's just so different, right? And it's, and it's also quite rare in my own. Experience. I don't know if you've ever come across somebody with Tourette's it's bizarre. I have
1: like three right now that are all causing themselves eye damage, which is bizarre. Really, and I don't know why it just happens. I mean, we are like a referral center, so maybe that's a little bit why, but sure. it is very odd. And honestly, kind of like what you're saying. On one hand, I don't want to laugh about it. It's not funny. I like it would be. I have a patient that has it way worse than him. And she is just disruptive and sometimes kind of mean in her in her responses, yet she's so nice. Same yeah. with him. He's so nice, yet his responses are very vile. Right. But me to get offended or to react in a negative way, which you should right. react with those sort of comments, would also just make it worse. So it's almost like making some sort of light of it. Like my other patient, she does a lot of kicking or jumping or punching oh, or wow. stuff like wow. that. And I got to the point with her where, A, I stopped like sweating profusely when I'm around her because I'm just scared. But it's not scary anymore. But B, I, sometimes I'm like, whoa, that was a good jump, girl. Like, that was high. <laughs> you know, like I have, have to make a little bit of light of it because it's.
0: Yeah, yeah. Almost to let them know that you're not taken back by it. Right. Like Like, it's okay. Like, this is. Yeah. Let's just laugh about it. You yeah. Know? But it would be interesting to hear what somebody with Tourette's would say. You know, um, what-
1: actually, my patient, my other patient that I told you, she's writing a book right now. So Get she's out. like 30 ish. And if she publishes her book, you'll be able to learn it. But the the title is supposed to be. So I'm going to tell everyone the title. It's PC. She's she titled it, not me. But it's the title she says is going to be unless it changes you. I love you. Because <laughs> she does a lot of cussing, very appropriate. But it's right? so appropriate, like, and she's that's so appropriate. Thirty years old, and yeah. yeah. Anyways, very appropriate. So, anyways, next topic. Cool. Good, good so conversation. We thought it might be nice to throw in a little non-optometry related news, yeah. and had requests for that in the past. But there's a new study out of Cambridge that scientists have identified a link between a high exposure of high levels of estrogen. Um, in the womb, and a likelihood of developing autism. So they found that all different types of estrogen, there's four different types, were significant... I thought it was
0: caused by vaccines.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Let's not go there. All <laughs> four estrogens were significantly elevated. Um, they they um, checked out uh, uh, actually over 200 fetuses and compared... T- the patients that developed autism versus patients that didn't. And the the 177 that didn't versus the 98 that did had high levels of prenatal estrogen. And they said it's the, one of the more predictive likelihood measures of autism, which is kind huh. of interesting. Yeah. Contrary to par- popular belief, the associations between uh, other thing that estrogens cause prenatal estrogens have an effect on brain growth. Um, and also, masculinize the brain in many mammals so genetics is also a well-established cause for um, autism but these hormones are likely adding to this genetic factor maybe this predisposition to make the fetal brain uh, develop autism so kind of an interesting topic and not going to get
0: into the debate of autism but a little bit um or do, do you have two questions do you have do you see many children i don't know that you do
1: not a huge portion of my practice but i definitely okay. see like a couple a week
0: okay and um autism i mean do you see any special needs children is that something that you luckily overcome, we or? just
1: hired a pediatric ophthalmologist so i don't do it as much okay. but i actually i just treated or not treated i just fit a patient that's autistic with uh soft lenses which actually went okay. just fine
0: <laughs> yeah yeah cool yeah it's great and um yeah, so I'll share my experience too. We we see a lot of kids. We do vision therapy. We do mainly vision therapy with um, concussion and brain injury, um, but some some kid uh, vision therapy, which is really I try to keep it limited to convergence insufficiency, ocular motor dysfunction. But um, we we do you know some some reading related ocular motor func- dysfunction vision therapy also. We have. Um, in our area, uh, a, a vision therapy doctor who, um, really expanded into the autism world significantly. And, um, you know, in fact, renamed the practice, you know, neuro something associates and, and, you know, actually most patients that go there don't even know that this doctor is, is actually an optometrist. It's very interesting. Interesting. And um, he does a lot of different things. It's very good practice. He's a good doctor. I respect him greatly. But it's very interesting. Lately, I've had a couple of parents come to my practice because there's nobody else in the area that really markets for vision rehabilitation, vision therapy, and, and we do. So I've had a handful of people come for second opinions. Okay. And so this you know, sort of starts this whole discussion of second opinion. And a lot of them are children with autism. And, you know, it's just, it's a tough situation. It's a really difficult, it's an, it's a difficult position to be in. Because I think in general, just taking the situation out of this conversation at all. Second opinions are a little tough, right? Yeah. It's true. So, Treatment, Second treatment opinions style. occur for lots of different reasons. You know, maybe a doctor recommending surgery and a patient doesn't feel like they need it. Um, somebody is, is getting a very serious diagnosis, like a cancer diagnosis. Um, or or just a, a, a doctor is recommending a treatment that the patient doesn't feel is actually necessary. Sure. Um, or when a doctor recommends maybe an elected procedure, it wouldn't be covered by insurance and requires a payment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's kind of where 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 this whole thing fits in because this doctor does not take any insurance, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. Sure. It's just a situation. I'd love to do that. And so, you know, it's a very expensive situation. And he does a ton, a ton of nutraceutical sales out of his office. So everybody is like on this cocktail of nutraceuticals. And I don't, I don't know enough to comment right or wrong on it, but it just puts me in a really difficult situation, you know? So, um, today I had a patient come in and, you know, this, this child has been being seen by this doctor since they're like four because he's got tight connections with a lot of the schools and occupational therapists, so on, up in that area, which is about 45-minute drive from where I am. And um, he's been going there since he's four, you know, and it's just really interesting. A couple things, you know, first of all, no video games ever. That's what he said, and that's, you know, what, what he's told them. The other thing is very specific mixture of vitamins, probably about six different vitamins that this kid's taking daily. Um vision therapy uh is a is has been going on for the kid is is nine, um, so since he's four, so for five years. Oh yeah. And an at home vision therapy program. And I'm not saying the vision therapy is wrong. I'm a big proponent of it. Um we do it. But I try to make it such that there is an end in sight. Right. You know, and I'm not saying that all kids don't need some sort of maintenance program and in particular autism. But can you know i I think we have to try as eye care providers, and this might be a little controversial to stay within our i don't want to say boundaries or lane because i I think that we are more able to do lots of different things, but I think it's important that we try to communicate a goal, oh, I think having right? benchmarks
1: is important, it's like you gotta have a goal, you, gotta have, you know yeah. you gotta and, be meeting some guide or goal or benchmark or yeah, I totally agree.
0: And if you don't get there, you need to admit your limitations. Right. Well, my it'd be wife like is a physical glaucoma. therapist.
1: If you're treating yeah. glaucoma and you're not getting results, next. That's right. Next stop. Yeah.
0: My wife is a physical therapist and therapy is extremely tightly regulated by insurances. Sometimes over such, but because what, what if you didn't? What would happen? You would just keep going, exactly. Right? You just you'd constantly be going to the therapist every week. You're gonna go two times a week, four times a week, right? If there was no guidelines and evidence base to say, "Hey, we need you to get to this point," right? You know, the, then you just do it forever, and then it's not therapy anymore, right? It's something else. So it's just interesting. So do you have any, you know, experience with second opinions? Is that something you deal with? How do you deal with it?
1: I think, well, first, just to comment on your situation, and I don't, I don't, I'm glad to have resources of people who are doing vision therapy or, you know, practicing vision therapy in my area and have that as, as a resource. I have a couple docs in my area that I do refer to regularly. But I... I think that oftentimes me, I'm just going to say this straight out, not to like talk about stereotypes, but I think that oftentimes the reason vision therapy can get a bad rap is because you oftentimes we don't have large scale studies or people are maybe doing things that are potentially a little bit more uh, practice learned as opposed to evidence learned. And then when you get in these situations, in fact, I just actually got asked to be an expert witness for this case for a patient that has gone through f- phys- uh, vision therapy. And I don't know all the specifics about it, but I'm a little apprehensive to read about the case because I do believe that vision therapy is helpful. But right. when you take it too far, again, like I tore my meniscus a couple years ago. I wanted to do physical therapy. My surgeon told me it's worthless. I ended up doing it anyway. They had, we had a cutoff point, And also I realized this wasn't helping. Like I had decided I need to just deal with this. Like I talked to a couple of physical therapists that I s- knew and said, hey, if this is my situation, what would, do you think it's worth this? Or should I just deal with it? And then do physical therapy after, which is the route I went. But the point is saying you do need to have a benchmark because just doing this until whenever is not treating necessarily the problem the most direct way either. Or again, kind of like you were saying, is not, um, it's just not efficient, or it's not helpful anymore.
0: And and I don't want to, you know, I'm always extremely careful. I just had somebody come into my, I just had an acupuncturist come into my office with with pamphlets the cool. other day, and I was very excited about it, you know, because I I want to be as open as possible to all forms of therapy and treatment and methodology. I don't know everything, not even close. Exactly. And I don't ever want to claim that I do. But, you know, here's this lady. You know, she's coming in. She's been going there for six years or whatever it is, almost six years. She pays $50 a week for her son. Her other son was going for a couple of years, $50 a week. Her husband was going for a little while, too. Um, and they all have the at-home program, which they pay $300 for, like, every six months. And now they're paying all this money for um for vitamins. And so she's telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, look, I just straight up with you. I'm in an awkward position. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to poo-poo this guy. I don't want to, you know, put you in a situation where you're, you know, feeling like you're being hoodwinked. Because I don't think that's true. Right. Um, but this is how I would deal with it. And I'm not necessarily right or wrong. If you want to try my approach, I'm open to it. Yeah. Um, this doctor is very well respected and I, I respect him also. But in this particular case and in my experience with dealing with this therapy, that is, I like to have defined goals. And I'm not hearing that from you.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly... I think about just some cases that I deal with, for instance, some of my like severe dry eye patients that have come in and they're doing one thing or another for whatever reason, whether it be no reason at all, but they think it works or whatever. I do like to show, I like to maybe collect a little extra information, whether it be different tests or whatever, to really be able to give a legitimate reason and again end goals right i want to make this test better i want to see your speed scores go down i want to see whatever i want to have end game i'm going to deal with the inflammation first and then we'll deal with the evaporative condition or yeah let's say it's a someone come in for a second opinion for a scleral lens fitting someone uh, people often get referred to me in the area for a eye print lens fitting which i love Mm -hmm. doing them it's great and it's very very easy for me but oftentimes they come in and they just never wore a lens with like captics, right? So they've That'd always worn lenses yeah. that have a uh, symmetrical landing zone and never had kind of a more advanced fitting. And so I put one lens, order one or two lenses, and boom, they're great for a much, much more affordable rate. So I think really it's about practicing how you feel is the best standard right. of care and just being honest with them. You know, I, I really, really feel like it's important and one of our guests recently talked about this and I I totally agree is building up people that you've worked with or people who refer whether they refer to you even for a second opinion a doc sent someone for a scleral lens for for an eye print fitting the other day and I was like your lenses look beautiful on your eyes he did such a good job and I think that's important just because as colleagues we do need to um, support each other and saying that You are reputable, unless you genuinely have a bad doctor in your area, which that's a different story. But I think talking to the board is more appropriate than telling a patient that most times. But I think just honestly, patients appreciate more you saying your expertise and not necessarily breaking down somebody else. Your true motivation or your true rationale of the experience or the uh, not the experience, the patient's problem and truly how you interpret the problem as opposed to them breaking down what someone else would say like when some docs some patients are like why has no one ever brought up x treatment to me before why are you the right. first person i'm hearing this from i'm like well, they you know, sucked i know, like I, I do my best to stay on top of literature i'm passionate <laughs> yeah, 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 about yeah. this yeah exactly like yeah. i don't know they're losers they don't read <laughs> yeah, i don't know <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know, that's kind of, I think I think we're on the same page. But it is an awkward yeah. thing to be in the middle of. Ugh. Especially when some of my patients have been in my own practice for a long time, struggling with dry eye, and they're like, why has no one told me about, for instance, scleral lenses before? Why are you the first person to tell me? And they've got like a acoustic neuroma, can't close their eyes, and for years they've been using drops. I'm like, well, you know, sorry. It's not me. I can right. I can only help you now. I'm glad we found right. each
0: other. But. So what's next? What else you got on the list for next, us to talk about?
1: I thought it might be kind of a f- another fun, colorful debate to chat about online contact lenses.
0: It's becoming more of a thing.
1: Why don't you give us a quick, like, 30-word summary of the recent stuff that's gone on, like, politically?
0: Well, you know, the, this is this is ongoing. It, there's There's a lot... Uh, there, uh, the FDA and the um, uh, you know just protections from consumer protection organization has has looked at the contact lens rule, which basically has to deal with how the um, prescription is is produced and and the guidelines that the prescribers need to follow after a prescription is produced. Now prescription timelines are state regulated, but, uh, you know, how they are uh, regulated does have to do with the federal government because it is contact lenses that is our medical devices. And so that contact lens rule was in effect for 10 years. And every 10 years, these rules get re-looked at and opened up and, and checked, and, and then the opportunity that exists for changes to be made. And so the online contact lens sale lobby, i.e. contact 1-800-CONTACTS, uh, has really made a concerted effort to try and make it as easy for um, consumers to try and basically buy contacts without prescriptions and and without any... Um, uh, prescriptive authority by doctors, and so, and and then to go one step for further make it um, as hard for doctors to forget um, because it is illegal to not to to not give patients their contact lens prescription in writing, um, make it as hard for doctors to not forget. So, you know, one of the things that they were wanting to do and is potentially going to become true is to have doctors fill out a form and have the patient sign that form to say that they got their contact lens prescription. And then the doctor keep it on file to prove that they did that for a number of years, it's just stupid. So, so a lot of this stuff is, is being reviewed and uh, actually appealed currently, because that actually did um, get, get approved. So a lot of stuff going on there. But really, the thing about it is, you can have all these regulations, but it really doesn't matter if there's no enforcement. And so that's what we're seeing right now. It's like the Wild West, because there's really no enforcement. And I think you have a topic about something that has to do with basically, you know, a company that is flying outside the lines because there's no enforcement mechanism.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so Hubble, which we've talked about in the past, but its model is kind of unique and why they really have kind of done a pretty good job in our modern society is they've kind of built this subscription model what the public perceives as being a, one, expensive item, and two, that they can provide the same expensive item for cheaper. And so, of course, most of you have probably seen on your social media or whatever different ads essentially pushing the idea of daily contacts being delivered to you at a low price. So I think they say something like 39 bucks a month, but I thought it might be worth just kind of talking a little bit about the actual lens itself. So the lens is actually produced by a company. Um, it's called Saint Shine, out of Taiwan and they use a material called methaphilcon. this is an old material if anyone recognize it but it has a very low oxygen permeability um, and of course we know with that there's a little bit higher risk of ocular, complica- umplica- uh, ocular complications but it's funny because we're taking this super outdated product and making it look fancy again and more important than that I think it's this unfair misconception that we allow our patients to like just be blinded by that they think it's so so much cheaper oh I I decided to go with Hubble because it's cheaper just because it's a subscription model and you don't have to pay as much but they're actually not expensive not cheap at all in fact more expensive oftentimes so when you do that over month to month it ends up being around 475 bucks for a year supply of Hubble contact lenses and Most of us know that even, granted, not that this is the most innovative lens in the market, but uh, AccuVue One Day Moist is about the same price-ish. Same with the Clarity One Day Tour, or Clarity One Day, about the same price-ish, depending on where you're pricing it in your practice. So I think patient education is a really important thing to bring up for a lot of these models because, one, it's an old ghetto lens, I tell my patients. Like, Uh, like if you want to wear that lens, fine, but I could get you an older one that's even cheaper. Or... Let's get one that's about the same price point, but a better technology, has UV protection, has more breathable material, and that hopefully will fit and be more comfortable for you. Absolutely. So, actually, I had the weirdest thing happen the other day. I had this company. It wasn't directly Hubble, but they emailed me or, like, faxed me. And luckily, I got the fax pretty quick. And it said, approve this patient's prescription. And it was for Hubble Prescription and the patient actually had tericity in their prescription, which Hubble doesn't have that, and so when it was just this, and and I had 24 hours to respond, and thank goodness it was like a weekday, so I happened to catch it within the 24 hours, but had they sent it on a Friday, I wouldn't have been able to respond and the patient would have ordered it and been pissed. So it's just Mm. kind of like, it was like a dick thing it just like sent it to me and i had no chance to respond to that fast
0: oh yeah that's luckily that's, i was paying attention that's a lot of the you know what i was talking about with the contact lens rule that's that's not by mistake oh you of know? course that's by design
1: and isn't yeah. it funny when your patients i don't know if yours do but my patients do this a lot so Recently, I was talking to a patient and she was saying how they sent the wrong thing. And so she was all mad at us because we sent the wrong thing. And I kind of explained to her the situation. And she was like, How can they just send me the wrong thing? Isn't that illegal? And I was like, You chose to do this. Like,
0: yeah, well, maybe actually, but yeah, you're, yeah who's going to do anything? Who's going to fight
1: it? except you? Like, I can't fight against that. But I don't know. It's an interesting thing and it will be interesting to see what comes of all of this. But. You know, on one hand, I want to play devil's advocate and think about other countries that they don't need any of these regulations and their patients probably get by fine. So not, I mean, well, do they, do they, I mean, are they way worse off? They probably order the wrong contacts a lot. What's that? They probably order the wrong contact power a lot right? or switch up the brand. Right. But otherwise, how can we be more competitive for companies like this? So it would appeal for our patients so we can give them the best thing and still remain like profitable to some extent or at least cutting even, right?
0: Right. Yeah, no, the writing's on the wall with with this and um, it's definitely not uh, going away.
1: No, absolutely not. Well, the last colorful topic that I thought would be worth chatting about and kind of along the same line is a little update slash history lesson on color contact lenses there's been some old ones there's been some new ones my patients just told me about one the other day so i thought it might be fun just to kind of go over it with everyone so so did you know the first uh patented idea on color contact lenses came out in 1969 okay A professor
0: wichler wichterly wichterly <laughs> do you know yes. who that is <laughs> Yes. Wow, you would. He did a lot of contact lens things. That's a you're so smart. Contact lens name.
1: Doctor Professor Wichterle. He uh, patented the idea of diffusing a colored dye into hydrogel material. Um, so they precipitated it on one surface, and when they met, the color essentially would get stuck in the middle of the lens. So you basically sandwiched the color in between two polymer layers, and it would infuse into the matrix of the lens, and blah blah blah. So. The problem with this is um, how long the lenses and the color would get trapped essentially. not the best option um, for color coloring lenses. Another option would be that they were they were hypothesizing to laminate the lens um, as a color of the overlying tint and the iris would show below it. Uh, so that dark eyes would show the tinted laminate over the true iris color. So anyway, they've hypothesized all these different ideas, but fast forward to what we care about, which is the dot matrix computer-generated lens. That's a current general technology. And essentially, they have generally a standard pupil opening, restricting vision within dim lighting, um, and it's not... uh, You can sometimes change the pupil size, but not usually. And so... um, Most of the color options now are printed on the front surface of contact lenses. And we have a couple options. One new one, which is kind of exciting, are the Alcon Daily colors, which if any of you have not gotten them yet, um, check them out. But they come in mystic blue, mystic gray, mystic hazel, and mystic green, either 30 or 90 count. So, uh, have you tried these lenses at all, Jamie? I've
0: not. I don't even I didn't even know they existed.
1: Well, welcome to the real world. Over in Seattle, people love their colored lenses, though. Is that true? I mean, luckily it doesn't come out that often and I just like radiate a like a tinge of disrespect whenever someone asks Absolute me. disdain. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? I do, but Is that just bred within each one of us I like mean, that when you have a colored contact lens patient but you know what i think is funny i think we all have like this desire to try or have like that color contact like i i don't know it's okay it's interesting well,
1: on one hand so i hate them i think they look stupid usually they're very rarely do they actually look natural to me yeah. maybe in the future they will look better so that's mostly why i think i hate them plus i know how uncomfortable and how like bad they tend to be for the eyes just because Almost right. everyone I see with color contacts has GPC. But, anyways, my husband thinks they are the coolest thing alive. He's Is like, that right? I think that for for, I think color contacts are a way to just show different personalities, and I think people are going to want to use them all the time. <laughs> He's the that's eye funny. visionary, apparently. So we'll see if that's true. But he like Never. loves the idea of changing his eye color. He's got like you know darker brown eyes, and so he loves when I bring home blue color contacts for him. to <laughs> Wear to different events <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. That's funny. I know, it's hysterical, I think. But anyways, when I do fit color contacts, unless someone really forces me, I almost exclusively fit in dailies just because I think it's a fun thing to do for events. But I think uh, like a consistent color contact wear is just not that healthy for the eyes. So that's usually my preference. So the Alcon dailies are great. Johnson Johnson has the Acuvue One Day Define, um, which is... Not a not as bold of a color, but and it tends to, for instance, their bluish color option, which I forget if it's shimmer, shine, or whatever it is, but yeah. there, it's less obvious, so like on a blue color, a brown eye, you can't really see the blue, but you can see some of the other darker options, and it tends to just make the pupil size a little bit larger, and just have more of a pop of the eye color. And then lastly, honestly, my go-to for a while now has been the Fresh Look One Day Color Blends, which are Alcon's products. Yeah. Um, and it, and they've got some nice options, but still in the daily come in a 10 pack, which is great. But a couple of other options, as most of us know, these are conventional ones are two week lens, which, uh, are the fresh look color blends. Then we have your monthlies, the air optics colors or Cooper vision expressions and some other options that some of you may come across, which I was looking into one brand is called Desio. Okay, hmm. this is a this is kind of weird monthly or quarterly options. Hmm. They have a hydrophilic polymer, which they're saying all these things to patients. How do they know? But it's uh, a HEMA based non ionic lens, and um, this is a 38% water content. So I'm guessing it's a mm. HEMA, lens, old HEMA lens. And it says this is what I was reading their website. Daily wear replacement schedules may vary from patient to patient and should be decided by the eye care practitioners in consultation with their patients. The thing Mm. is, you can order these online. The manufacturer is actually in Italy, and they actually Uh. have some decent power ranges from minus 13 to plus 6, and they say Uh. with toric lens options. Um, But I actually had a patient recently come in asking for these lenses, and he's he's worn them before. They're blue lenses, and he loves them, and whatever.
0: So are they like the dot matrix? The little dot or? matrix setup. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean it looked fine, but again, it's just kind of sketchy. Why you're they they put all this information for the doctor to look at, yet it's not something that's found in doctor's offices. So it's they're, not even um, in Tyler's Quarterly. It's just how yeah. how would a doctor be able to see that? Huh. Another couple quick brands and when I just Google searched color contacts, I wanted to bring up the most common, like The companies with the best SEO for color contacts. Yeah. Honey Color. That's a big one, okay? This is a monthly lens. It comes two per box. And they're a HEMA-based lens, 45% water. They have a bunch of different colors, including a zero limbal ring without harsh borders for a realistically sized iris. Color blending the lens creates a natural effect um, to your eyes. (laughs) They have Neo Whisper gray colored contact lenses. Anyways, thought that was kind of funny. Eye Candies. Honey color. Exactly. Honey color. Eye Candies is a non prescription contact. That's a 42% water contact lens, another HEMA-based lens, and it's a three month replacement lens. And then one of the last ones that was just popping up everywhere is Wicked Eyes, spelled with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like your Halloween contact lenses. So non prescription or prescription cost is the same which i appreciated 38% water contact lens 3 month replacement lens they have everything from your reds to your cat eyes to your larger diameter lenses and dang the price is pretty darn good i was just thinking like first of all what is this lens <laughs> like how can they make it so cheap especially with the color in it and i don't know it's just crazy it was like 42 bucks for some of their lenses 50 bucks if you want now, prescription. Do
0: you need a prescription for it? No.
1: I mean, not really. If you look at so it. So is this
0: technically, like, illegal?
1: I'm sure. I mean, huh. according to the FDA, at least.
0: So you can get a lot of these prescription um, lenses uh, from Orion. Have you heard of Orion? Yes. Yeah, and so Orion has, um, you know, a... Uh, Halloween line of lenses. Um, they have theot- they have a whole bunch of different things. They have something called biocolors, biosport, biomed, prosthetic softs uh cosmetic theatrical they have a, a whole bunch of different you know things and then actually one of the in within their theatrical line is their gothica line Ooh. which is a whole bunch of different you know you could get the dead eye look you could get dragon's breath blue wolf avatar all sorts of different things and actually I've ordered these before for um the dead Halloween. eyes is creepy Yeah, (laughs) And it's, it's, uh, they're fun, you know, pop them on, try them out. But, um, they're like yearly lenses is what they say. They're available in zero to minus six. And they're so, I mean, I don't wear contacts. I think I have, I do have a little bit of dry eye to begin with. Um, they're so unbelievably uncomfortable. My eyes are like beet red, you know, by the time I take them out, I don't know how you would wear them for any considerable amount of time so
1: i'm glad that you referenced that we will link that on our website for anyone who is interested because i do kind of think i mean i'm in seattle there's a huge uh comic-con C- like convention that we have here every year and i think patients are looking for this and so to have it yeah. somewhat available that people are seeking these options i think it's a good idea because um, I agree, I don't endorse keeping a lens like that for a year, but if you're going to do it, here's a healthy way to do it, and here's a healthy option at a price right. point that maybe if it, you can afford it for your office, you could put close to these nasty things they can find online that we know just across the board can cause patients problems. No good, So, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, man, there's a skeletal teeth eye. That's creepy looking. You saw that? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'll link it for everyone to go look at later. But I think it is wise for us. I mean, it's already September, people are going to start looking for this. So having an option and maybe buy some for your office Post it on your social media page just for fun, as a way to entice patients to come in and then count on you for their Medusa eye look for an upcoming outfit that they want to do. But I think being more readily available so that when they're going to search for things, they find you, I think it's a good idea because then at least you can warn patients on how to properly take care of it. So I think that's that's my two cents on that. I like it. Anyways, being that it's end of the year, for those of us that have CE needs that are coming up, especially if it's a... C- end of the year thing that you have to worry about there are a couple options one that's coming up pretty fast but vision expo is next week and that's going to be of course in vegas they have different package deals um they have kind of a cool setup for no one who's been who if those of you who have not been to vision expo before but they've got package a b c and d which essentially is six hours for about two hundred ninety bucks, nine hours for about four hundred bucks, thirteen hours and eighteen hours, etc. So it's pretty cool. If you buy one of those packages, you get admission to the expo or the exhibit hall, or um, you can buy different amounts of hours depending on how much you want to spend slash uh, what you what your goals are for the meeting, or just go to the exhibit hall if you'd like. And then you'll see Jimmy and I if you come to Orlando for Academy. That's going to be end of October. Uh, for the full conference, whoever wants to go, fellows can see, uh, fellows or candidates for the Academy, that's about four thirty five. If you apply oh, you missed that deadline actually. It was August. But sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit more. Students sorry, or residents, seventy five bucks. And non fellows at the academy is um Seven ninety-five might be a little more expensive now. But also you can pay for the day. So just a day if you'd like. And I believe that's around the 200 range for a fellow or 300 for a non-fellow. So check it out for those who need to get more hours before the end of the year. Jimmy, are you going to anything other than Academy before the year end? I know you go to every conference.
0: Uh, yeah, all the conferences. I'll be at all of them. <laughs> no, just kidding. That's a big one. That's the big one right now. Absolutely.
1: Well, I think that about does it for today you have any other comments jimmy
0: no that was great any
1: other colorful commentary
0: i'll keep it to myself
1: <laughs> good before we go reach out to us for feedback questions stories things you want us to talk about either on instagram facebook or call or text us 920-350-8622 we never depart without saying thanks to valley contacts for their support both for their amazing lenses they make and the great people they are to work with And be sure and tune in to listen to our next episodes. But until then, try not to blink.